sixth chapter in the book of Romans. And we have uh, several baptisms tonight, and I'm excited about that. And uh, praise the Lord for that. This morning, I spoke on fact, we are sinners. I spoke about David's life and how that David's life was wrapped around coming through Bathsheba and coming through this killing of Uriah. And in the killing of Uriah, and then everything that came with the prophet saying, Thou art the man. This realization by David, what have I done? Then we talked about the fact that David was very, very quick to acknowledge, to recognize, to repent, to fix this, to the point that he went on to be a very great king, very much revered. And even though in light of maybe one of those marks on his transcript of life, Bathsheba, Uriah, he still is considered one of the greatest kings of Israel. And he still is revered as the psalmist of Israel. That's on this side. Many of us have experienced what David experienced on this side. But tonight, and I thought about preaching tonight's sermon this morning, but the Lord kind of had him switched, I believe, on purpose. All of us know what it's like to repent. All of us know what it's like to be so convicted on the inside that regardless of what the preacher was preaching about, we had to fix. We knew we, we have to fix this. But then all of us know what it's like that we hate it when we get ourselves into it. The Bible calls it a besetting sin. The Bible calls it that sin that trips us up very easily. And let me stop and just say this. If you meet anybody that says, well, I don't have a besetting sin, you've just either met a lost man or a liar. Because everybody, I don't care who you are, your pastor has a besetting sin. The missionaries have a besetting sin. We know that all mother-in-laws are the besetting sin. No, I shouldn't have said that. Bad Bob. So understand that when you and I are looking at this, it, it is one thing to say, man, I need to, I, I need to get this thing right. To me, the pinnacle of the truth from this morning was this. I want to make sure God and I are okay. I, I just need to know that, God, you don't hate me. And regardless of how much Scripture we know, isn't it our thought? My God hates me. Here's why. Because we hate ourselves. But tonight I want to preach on this subject. If you're there in Romans chapter 6 and look at verse, if you will, verse number 21. I'm sorry, verse 12. Look at what it says there. And let's read it. Romans six twelve. Are you ready? Begin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. The Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. When I heard the song that the quartet just sang, I want to live honorably. I want to live above reproach. I want to live in the light. I don't want to live in darkness. I don't want to live in the corner I don't want to live on the seedy side of life. I want to live in the light. I, I want to live. And I understand that every time I do wrong, that I literally dishonor the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a day and age when the average child of God across this world has no second thought about the relationship with the Lord. 
And that's why church is very important. That's why preachers are very important. That we're always bringing us back to this. Listen to me. Know how to possess your vessel. Know how to live honorably. One day you're going to meet him. One day you're going to look inside of his eyes. You're going to look in his face. And everything that you held valuable will not be valuable on that day. The Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal body, in verse number 12. Now understand this before I give you the title. No one can live without sin. So please, sinless perfection is not a doctrine of the Bible. You and I, as long as we live in this flesh, in fact, when you get time, read Romans chapter 7, because the Bible tells us, in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you became sealed. You are waiting to be redeemed, but not your body. Your body is that vehicle that is the old man, it is the old nature, that can literally take you to guilt, it can take you to places that you don't want to go. I'm going to preach on this subject this morning, that tonight, I told you it was supposed to be this morning, how not to sin. How not to sin. How many are saved? You have Christ on the inside. Guess what? You're a victor, not a victim. And for any believer to think to themselves, no, I have no power. You have power. Because the power comes from greater is he that's in you than he that is what? In the world. And this Bible right here is absolutely the textbook for how to live an honorable life, not sin-free, but less sin. Because if the Bible said, let not sin reign, not R-A-I-N, but a majestic reigning, that means it sits on the throne. That means it controls you. It controls you to where it becomes an addiction. It controls you to where it becomes a daily habit. Listen to this. Whatever daily habit you have in the flesh with sin and whatever addiction you have created with sin, it can be broken by using the Bible remedy to break it. If we didn't believe that, then let's shut it down and go home. Because there are people wandering this world out here that they are chained and they're in bondage. And they're just looking for somebody to say, you know, you can break that chain and you can break that bondage. But if we the believers don't believe that, then this world has no hope. And tonight, although this may be so elementary, let it be elementary to where we can live it. How not to sin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Go to James chapter 1. And in James chapter 1 is where we're going to go tonight. And if you're familiar with the book of James, in the book of James, and we start off in chapter 1, and if you would, and and I, and I, I am, it is not my plan to be long tonight. It is my plan to be very concise. It is my plan to be very informative and to get right down to the truth, lay it out, and then I'm hoping you're going to pick it up. And I hope tonight that you'll take it with you and that this week, that when you meet the opportunity, I think that's the word for the night, when you meet the opportunity to sin, that you will have an awareness that you don't have to take the opportunity to sin. Look what it says in James chapter 1 in verse number 14. Now, it's very, very succinct here. 
We'll go back up to verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of who, please? God. For God cannot be tempted with what, please? Evil. Neither tempteth he what? Any man. Listen to this. Neither tempteth he any man. And grammatically, what is it referring back to? The evil. So God is not tempted with evil. Neither does he put evil before you to test your love and your resolve for him. Well, you've got to understand that. Do not look at the evil that is in front of you and the opportunity at your hand and say, well, well, this is a test, right? It's like your wife putting out a cake and then leaving you alone in the house with your cake. I mean, this is your cake. How many are German chocolate cake people? Would you raise your hand? extra German. Let me tell you, it is not this test that she makes this and she puts it out there and then she leaves, comes back and you, with all restraint, you did not take a bite on this side of the cake that she can see. You see, God does not test, listen to this, your love with evil to see if you can overcome it. God gives you opportunities to prove your love, but he does not do that with your besetting sin. Do not think that your God is placing these little sins around you, and then you come to this opportunity to sin, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And God goes, see, see, you loved me. I knew you loved me because you had an... The book says he does not do that. In fact, if I could kind of give you a sister verse that is a proof verse for this, in 1 John, you can look it up, it talks about God is what, please, light, and in him is what? No darkness at all. In fact, it goes on to say there's not even a shadow. I love that. God is light. Well, let me tell you something. But there is someone that wants you to sin and disgrace your God. There is someone that used to be the darling of heaven, used to be light in heaven, and that he fell to the earth and he hates your God. And the fact that you're created in the image of, 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 of God and the fact that you trusted his son one day to save him, he hates you with a passion and he wants you to disgrace your God. And every time you and I do, and every time you and I give in to that besetting sin, and every time we wake up the next moment after we say, what have we done? You are a proof point to God in heaven that you really, God, you're not as good as what you think you are. But by the blood of Jesus, he would be right to God. But he is right to us, isn't he? Because we carry around this, I'm smarter than this. How many's ever thought, don't raise your hand, but how many's ever thought, I'm smarter than this? I mean, how many times am I going to keep getting into this? So how not to sin? Here in James chapter 1, it says, let no man say when he is tempted, verse 13, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Look at this. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath what please conceived, it bringeth forth what please sin. And sin when it is what? Finished. That is very interesting. There are some people right now that sin is not finished yet in their life. What, what did it say about Moses? Very insightful. 
that he chose rather to suffer the affliction with God's people than to take pleasure in sin for a season. Oh, you never forget this. Sin is exciting. Sin is pleasurable. Sin sparks something in you and I. Sin takes us to the mountaintop only to find out it's a volcano. And when it's finished, it's just not made it through the F and the I and the N. And if you take that word finished right there, it's a very interesting study on the word finished. Because once sin lures you in, it must do to you what sin did to Jesus on the cross. It wants to make you somebody that is ugly, and it wants to make you somebody that has been violated in your visage and your personality and your makeup and your structure. Nobody will ever be able to recognize. Have you ever met those old classmates that you decided to follow God, but they decided to follow the devil, and all of a sudden you're a amazed at what 20 and 25 years has done to their life and to their family and how you look at them and say what happened to them i'll tell you what happened sin when it is what finished it's just not finished yet because they're still in a loop to loop it's just not finished yet because they still have all their teeth and they still have all their hair and they still have all their youth but when sin is finished it strips them of every recognizable good part of them oh please listen to this saint you're no exception and i am no exception how not to sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth what death then would you look at 16 do not err my beloved brethren well if it says do not err then guess what it is possible not to err because you got Jesus so if you'll walk down this progression with me here And all of a sudden, this is so insightful. There is the temptation. There is the lust that this opportunity sparks. There is the action on this lust. And then there is this process sin must take somebody through. But at the end of sin is death. At the end of sin is corruption. At the end of sin is someone you will not like. But the key to not sinning is not dealing with the sin you see if you are dealing with the sin at the moment of impact it's too late it's too late Friday night we live on a street that's a cut through from highway 80 to George Ritchie Road and the grandkids were over and all of a sudden Clarksville Fire Department they came out they just two blocks from us and then ambulance sheriff cars state troopers and you may have read in the paper but this mom and this dad with three children in the vehicle never stopped at the stop sign and coming down George Ritchie were some teenage boys and it took mom and dad out into eternity let me tell you something when I got down there to the wreck and I saw everything going on and did my best to be a pastor as much as I could let me tell you it's too late to hit the brake it's too late and there are people that are children of God that if you're addressing the sin at the moment of action that's too late to address it 
God gives us the secret here. And I love what he says here. Look what it says here. But every man is what, please? Tempted when he is what? Drawn away of his own lust. Let's look at some scripture. Can we do that? Write it down. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Romans chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. And I want you to write these scriptures down. I think church is a place that you put into the hands of God's people tools for them to use. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Just not information, it's inspiration and it's instruction. That's what doctrine does. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Look at these lovely words, look at it. There hath no what, please? Temptation taken you, but such is as common to what? Man, listen to this. Whatever you are being tempted to buy, whatever gets your attention, whatever all of a sudden grabs you, and everybody in this room knows you could be in a crowd of righteousness, but because of your flesh, you'll notice the, tempta- the, the, the tempting things. But let, let, verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There is no temptation taking you, but such is a common man. I love this. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to what please escape i love that you know what god's saying whatever opportunity is right there in front of you to do the sin god says you don't have to do that in fact I'm such a good God that I've made an escape. You know what you have in you? An exit. You have in you a spiritual exit on the inside. And for anybody to step into sin and play the victim card with Jesus Christ, that's a lie. He already paid for that sin on Calvary, and he's already given you an exit, a way to escape, and God is faithful. You are not going to be tempted and be given an opportunity to fulfill the lust of your flesh without being given an exit that you don't have to go down that path. Oh, I love God's Word. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 9. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 9. Back up to verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be what, please? Be therewith content. But they that will be rich, look at this, don't trust me, look at it. But they that will be rich fall into what? Temptation. And a what, please? Snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lust which drown men in destruction and what, please? Perdition. I told a couple of men, I asked them if I could use this, and we were talking about temptation and we were talking about the fulfillment of the lust and the activity and the sin, and then how they felt after that. And I said, I want you to go to 1 Timothy. We went to 1 Timothy. And I said, I, I read these verses, and I want you to write out to the side, praise God, I'm poor. Because if you had all the money in the world, and you could spend the money, and nobody knew it impacted your bills, come on now. Because the more money you have, the more you can finance the opportunity. 
Don't bemoan the fact you have no money left over. God just may be sparing you from a lot of sin. How not to sin? First, we've got to discuss this. Sin, when it's finished, will destroy you. And that sin and this temptation, this opportunity to sin, God's given you a way to escape. They that have a lot of money, they can finance their depravity. But contentment is the key to riches. When you are content, and look at the very next verse there in 1 Timothy, if you will. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And do not think that all rich people are the biggest sinners. Because look at it says in verse number 10. For the what, please? Love of money is the what? Root of all evil. You know, let me tell you something. You and I need to understand this. It is possible to walk away from any sin that you have ever done, that you have made a habit. Because the Bible tells us that temptation, if you would please, let's go all the way back because I need to finish. I want you to think about the progression. There is death, there is sin, there is lust, there is temptation. Go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13, if you will. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13, let's first talk about this. Is the opportunity to do wrong? Is the fact that if all of a sudden you have drank beer, and I'm going to choose a couple of subjects here, if all of a sudden you've been hooked on illicit drugs, if all of a sudden you've been involved in an immoral lifestyle, or your lust have been, doesn't matter. When you look at this, is it the opportunity to do wrong Is that make you a sinner? And the answer is no. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what, please? From evil. Now I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. Back up. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. Are you there? Let's read it out loud together. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be what, please? Tempted of the devil. Listen to this. Our Savior was tempted by the devil. Our Savior was given the opportunity for these things to do. But guess what our Savior did? He walked away. Did you hear that? So do not think, why? Why, pastor, is this popping up? And why is this popping up? And why am I having to put blinders on? And why am I struggling with being drawn like a magnet over here? Because it is the temptation. It is the opportunity. Now, there's been a door created that you know that if I go on the other side of that door and I enter through that door that I know what's going to happen with my lust and I know what the sin's going to be like but I also know how I'm going to feel then why do people keep going back I'm going to tell you why is because they don't rely upon the power of God that lives on the inside of them this is why you read your Bible every day this is why you live in contrition this is why you say God I can't do this without you this is why you run scared why because on the other side of that door is a process that you may not get out of next time 
This is why we stay far away from the edge. This is why churches like this that hold a very conservative view of how to live are made fun of. But we understand this. That if I take a young child and David's, Brother David's okay if I use Peyton, would that be okay? Come here, Peyton. If I take this young man that has no knowledge and if I live close to the edge with this young man, listen to this, and his curiosity makes him take a step. Just take one step off and hold your leg out. How many people that they live close to the exit and when curiosity hits the heart of a young man, he walks through the exit. That's why we live all the way back over here. And that's why there's families all over this country that are looking for a church that doesn't live it next to this line, but they live it way back over there. Would you take a step right now? Take a step. He hadn't fallen off the edge. Take another step. He hadn't fallen off the edge. And no matter how bad our kids are, isn't that crazy? Because we equate bad with things that are not bad. And that's why we can't tell them here, well, you're just that person right there, and do not trend them. Do not trend them. When they make a bad step, do not come into their world and say, well, you know, you're just going to be that the rest of your life. No, they're not. But oh, I'm going to tell you right now, we've got to back up Christianity back here to where we understand you're going to fall. Luke tells us it's impossible that, it, that, that offenses will come, but woe be to him by whom they come. Curiosity. The unknown is attractive to him. and That's why when parents live and leaders live in a selfish, self-pleasuring life. And they want to live close to that edge because they like stepping through the door and stepping back and stepping through the door and stepping back. And they just like, I don't understand what's real. I just, let me tell you what's wrong with it is there's a generation coming after to where you live on this side of the door, but they're going to live on that side of the door because the lust and the process will so ensnare them. Oh, my friend, temptation, lust, sin, death and just because you and I have recovered from that door a hundred times doesn't mean our kids will the world thank you Peyton the world is trying to entice us with temptation in all areas Jeremiah 17 9 write that down the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it you combine opportunity with a wicked heart and you get those two things together, then a lust is going to be sparked. And when that lust is there, then all of a sudden the fulfillment of that lust, and we've read it. Some temptations are stronger. Listen to this, please. Some temptations are stronger than other temptations. If you were to ask me, Pastor, are you tempted by alcohol? I am not better than any other flesh here. I am not tempted by alcohol. Honestly, I got to be honest with you. When I was in the first grade going to a public school, my dad worked for GM. There was a family across the street. My friend, subsequently when I was in second grade, I saw him get hit by a car. And I saw him die. 
very traumatic thing in my life. But when I was in this house in the first grade, I mean, I'm my grandkids' age right now. In the house in the first grade, his daddy was a drinker. And I can still remember that beer opened up on that, on that table right there. And Greg looked at me and he said, hey, smell that. Smell that. And I reached over and smelled. The smell was so offensive that I can remember going, what is that? And my friend said, ah, that, that's what my daddy drinks. But he doesn't act that way. And I said, let me tell you something. So when somebody says you want some alcohol, that smell comes rushing back. Listen to this. There are some temptations that are stronger than others. I'm fixing to illustrate it. Where I don't have to fight alcohol, I do have to fight a whole lot of other temptations that are magnets that I'm not big enough to stop it when the lust picks up. How many Baptist preachers have you ever heard admit that from the pulpit? But how many are in the same boat? Would you raise your hand? So let me give you a secret that somebody gave me when I was 17 years of age. If you'll look at the progression here, it says this back in the book of James. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I have been at the dead. I have woken up. I'm going to use an illustration here. It was used to me when I was just a teenager. They said, Bob, did you like what you were after? Did you like that? I said, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. And I'm, I'm going to put that right over here in the ground. They said, Bob, when the death happened in your life, then all of a sudden there was a process that sin took you on. And in this process, you were in the middle of this process. They said, Bob, did you like what you were after it was done with you? No, I didn't like what, it, what I was. They said, Bob, how did you feel in the middle of it? And I said, well, I have to be honest with you. The deception was, wow, I'm getting away with it. I mean, literally, I'm getting away with it. Y'all don't look at me that way like I'm the only sinner in the house. I'm getting a little bit paranoid right now. It's making me mad. Look at this. But then he said, so if you didn't like yourself at the end, but it was feeling good in the middle of it, y'all straighten up your halos because you're worrying me. You know what he said? He said, if you'll look at this verse, it said this. Would you please read the verse out loud together? James, if you will. Is it verse 14? I'm a preacher. I just don't know where it's at. But every man is what, please? tempted when he is drawn what please away with what his own lust let me tell you something some temptations are stronger than other temptations because you've been there already 
you've been there. Would you please notice the word drawn away? So in your life, the things you and I battle with are directly related to the path you've already walked. You've already been through that door. You already know how it feels. You already have weighed the consequence of guilt with the feeling of euphoria, no matter what it is. And now you've weighed them in your mind. But isn't it amazing, the further you get away from the death, and the more you get back to God, like we talked about this morning, the more you don't remember the death, you only remember the good times. So what do you do? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own what? Lust. So here Bob Gray the second is walking through life. I pastor a church. But there still are those paths that I know that when I come to the opportunity, this is the temptation. This is there. And I know that if I walk down that path, if I go through that door, I already know, Brother Hicks, exactly what path it's going to take. And I already know what is going to happen to Bob Gray. And I will end up losing it all. Where do I fight this at? Here? Nope. Here? Nope. I fight it at the opportunity. I fight it at the moment it is available to me and nobody knows it's available to me. Come on, let's get honest. And that my wife won't find out, my kids won't find out, my grandchildren will never know, the deacons will never know. And how many people Praise God! God's good! Y'all listen to this. One day we're going to meet him face to face. And here's what you know about your God. That he's able to deliver. It doesn't matter at what point you're on this. He's able to deliver. And this is why we cannot make fun of people who have standards. That they don't do that. And by the way, listen to this. Don't we live in a day and age to where the screeching wakes you up? Don't we live in a day and age to where when somebody says, well, well, well you know, I, I, um, um, I, 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 no, no, that's okay. I think I'll pass. And then don't we live in a day and age when the fellow brothers and sisters in the family go, what, you're not strong enough? Come on, man. It's not going to hurt you. It may not hurt you. But God help us. That's what Corinthians is all about. We don't put a stumbling block in front of our brother. Because there are some places our brothers and sisters have been that we would never understand their journey. And the pull is too great. The, the temptation is too great. And when they meet that door, they need a brother and they need a sister that says to them, come on, man, we don't really have to do that. I'm convinced of this. There's a lot of activities that I don't need to do because it's going to make me what I don't want to become. 
But that's everybody's journey. This morning I was really want you to know that if you do cross that line, that there is such a forgiving Father. There, there is such a Father who will forgive you. But tonight I want you to know it is possible to have less sin in your life. But please don't fight it here. Fight it there. I'll give you three things that you can do. Number one, pray. Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into what, please? Temptation. Would you go to Matthew chapter 6? Pray. This is why your daily prayer needs to be Matthew chapter 6. They come to him and say, Lord, the teaching on prayer. He said, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, you pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, look at this, which is in secret, shall reward thee, what please? Openly. And I think one of the rewards is found in verse 13. Look at the reward, please. And lead us, what? Not into temptation. Let me tell you. We need to start going to prayer. Start saying this, God, please don't let my path today walk in front of that opportunity. And God, blind me. Blind me. Blind me from any opportunity that would lead to disgrace. My friend, listen to this. I don't know what you're battling. I'm not a priest. You don't come confess this to me. God knows that the only way we're going to overcome the opportunity to do wrong is through prayer. The second thing I would tell you is this. Go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. The second component to this is Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. When I was looking up everywhere the word tempted, temptation was listed in the Bible. I'm trying to keep you here long enough so that you see the lights come on in the parking lot. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Look at this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are what, please? Look at it. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be what? Tempted. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in your life that is spiritual enough that if you get to this point that you're like, I'm going to call them. Not to tell them what's going on, but just to talk. I need to hear a brother's voice. I need to hear a sister's voice. And you know what we don't have? God is such an awkward conversation between believers. It's insane. God should not be an awkward conversation between men. God should not be an awkward conversation between ladies. 
God should not be an awkward conversation between teenagers. God should not be an awkward conversation between brothers and sisters in Christ. God ought to be the top of our chart of who we love. And God ought to be so out there that you look at a brother or sister and say, Look, man, if I call you out of the blue, would you pick up? Because all I want to do is just talk. We don't have to go any further than that. You don't have to know what's going on. Just know this. That I thought about this text in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. That the spiritual brother has the ability to restore. And that's an amazing word in in and of itself. Considering thyself. Think about this. Would you not love to have somebody that would help you at a time you needed them to help you? Wives, could you be that person for your husband? Without asking a lot of questions. Husbands, could you be that person for your wife without asking a lot of questions? And just go, look, if I call you out of the blue, would you just pick up the phone? We're driving down the road, grand boys are in the back of the truck, and there's a skunk in the middle of the road. Grayson saw the skunk, or Blake did before anybody else. And, oh, there's a skunk! You know, my first reaction was, <gasps> how many's been there? You see the skunk, you know it's coming. <gasps> and if I can just hold my breath till I get past the stink. Whew, the dumbest thing is when the stink is already in the car, it's too late, don't hit the recycle air. There's a little hint about hitting skunks, amen? And let me tell you something. Number one, you go to prayer. Number two, start creating spiritual relationships to where you could just make one phone call. No explanation needed. None. Then the third thing. If you'll look, please, in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians and I'm done. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. And here's the third thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not, what please, suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation. Did you see that? With the temptation, also make a way to what please. Always know this. That if you are at the point of temptation, look around because there's an exit. Do not think this is the only option. There is another option. You know what that other option is? The Lord. He is the way, the truth. Do you hear that? And the life. So when it says, I able to make a way to escape, you know what we're looking for? One, two, three, four, five. No, no, no. He said, I am the way. <laughs> Let me tell you something. At the moment of opportunity, that's when prayer god don't leave me there that's when a brother but i'll tell you the third thing is you have another option and that is the lord all of us have been there and now i'll let you raise your hand on this one how many has ever been at the opportunity no matter what other people think about it and you didn't take advantage of the opportunity and you turned to the lord and you went (sighs) 
praise God. Yes. Yes. Would you please look in Galatians 6.1, go back there, because I think this is the attitude that everybody has to have. Everybody must live, and I'm done. I could keep going. Galatians chapter 6. Well, I hope you've been enjoyed this and learned something Galatians chapter 6 brethren if a man be overtaken in fault he which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of what please meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted let me tell you the thing you're going to find out is when you overcome the opportunity that my friend there'll be a spirit about you that won't stand up and go look what I did I beat it no 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 it's just this humility of going. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're saved, my friend. Which means you have the power not to sin. But don't fight it there. Don't wait till it gets there. You fight it at the opportunity. If your God brings somebody to your mind, create a habit in your mind, create a habit in your life, pick up the phone and call. Pick up the phone and call. Just say, hey, man, I want to call and let you know I love you. I'm praying for you. They may never admit it, but you just may be the right phone call at the right time. And if some of you are struggling with something that has become a habit, all you have to do is create a new habit at that opportunity. And that habit is turn to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you've done in our life. God, in Hebrews, you told us that you succor them that are tempted. There's a close relationship that happens. There is this loving on. There is this doting on by you. Because you were tempted on all points like we are yet without sin. And Lord, this is why we turn to you because you've been there. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how that verse works. I just know I believe it. God, I need you. We need you. Oh, how we need you. God, help us to pray. Help us to get a brother and sister that will help us bear Galatians 6 2. Then, God, third of all, oh my God, may we rely upon you. You're the way. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you a question. How many would say, Pastor, and don't raise your hand on the outside, but on the inside maybe. The Lord knows. How many would say in your heart, Pastor, I'm going to start praying that God would help me and lead me not into temptation. God, that's going to be my prayer. Because some of you may say, Pastor, I struggle with something, and I've walked that path so many times. And I don't like me after I walk that path. Then let's beat it at the temptation. Know this. You can live without that sin. There's sometimes you're just in the middle of it. But there are the other times that you know that's a temptation. You know it's right there in the front of me. Please, let's ask the Lord. Let's do this if we can. I'm going to ask Brother John to sing the invitation song if he will. Brother Hit's going to be at the altar. I'll be here. But let's take the time to pray. Let's take this time and maybe take what was said this morning and tonight and let's just go.
to prayer. Oh, listen to this. You and I need the Lord. Oh, we need the Lord. Brother Combest, can I get you to come? And Brother Doster, I'm going to have you come if you don't mind. These three men are going to be across the front. If you need, to be, if you need someone just to pray with you, why don't you come on down?